Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard, award-winning broadcaster, narrator, and author of the Jessica Ramirez Thrillers. Brought to you by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thanks, Lisa. David Putnam writes with the authority of experience. He was a California street cop, a detective, SWAT team member, and studied officer behavior as part of the Internal Affairs Division. He also applied his trade as a special agent in a real-life iteration of Hawaii Five-0. He introduced the world to his protagonist, Bruno Johnson, in 2014. His 10th Bruno Johnson thriller was released February 7th. The Scorned finds our hero still trying to lie low in Costa Rica on the eve of the birth of a son. But as any David Putnam fan knows, trouble always seems to find Bruno, and trying to do the right thing often puts him in the wrong place at the wrong time. David Putnam, thanks for joining us on Authors on the Air. Thank you for having me. Bruno is somewhat safe and sound in Costa Rica. Why do you keep bringing him back to the U.S.? Uh, well, um, my publisher <laughs> keeps saying that she can't believe that I find enough motivation to bring Bruno back from his family you know, in paradise in Costa Rica to the United States to have another one of his capers. So this is actually the last one set in the U.S., and I had to have a pretty good motivation to get him back. Uh, the next two Brunos are set entirely in Costa Rica, and those are completed. Um, so this, and this time, um, Bruno is is in a is in a bind because uh, Marie, the love of his life, is pregnant and she's having a child, and she has a difficult birth, and a doctor is on scene, um, fortunately, and helps um, with save the child and and Marie. Um, the child's name is Tobias. So Bruno owes a debt to the doctor, and the doctor asks Bruno to um, come back to the States and escort his daughter from college who has a uh, problem with the stalker. And it's supposed to be a, a six-hour flight, two hours on the ground, and six hours back. Um, he, he'll, he'll be back before uh, Marie even wakes up. But as soon as he lands at the airport, uh, problems ensue. Describe your process of creation. I, write, I, I do a thing called writing by the numbers. I go by 16 precepts that I follow, and that's why it never has a writer's block. So I start with um, three plot lines, because if I have one plot line, then the plot line could get plot line fatigue, and I don't want that. So I start with the main plot line, and I, I set up two sideline plot lines, and I scene sequence. I'll do three, scene, three scenes um, in a row on the main trunk, then I'll skip over to the other plot line and skip back and forth, um, laying transitions and um, links to um, all the plot lines as I go. But I don't know what's going to happen. Um, my, my main goal is to get the three plot lines to come to an end all together at the same time. You come from a brilliant and varied law enforcement career. How did you become a writer? Well, <laughs> um, I started writing in 1989. And um, I, I had a lot of trials and tribulations. And I was on my 38th book before I sold one. So now I'm on like book 65 or 66. So I've learned um, how to write a book. Uh, and and this, this 16 precepts thing seems to serve me very well. So there's five things that scene needs to do to make it to work. And to put those five things in there automatically lends itself to the next scene or the transition to the subplot. Works very well for me. I, I have no problem. In fact, um, I just heard yesterday that a third series of mine just got picked up by another publisher. So now I have three books a year that, that are coming out. You are an incredibly prolific author. How long does it take you to create a book? 
Well, I take notes on the three plot lines uh, initially. And what happens is I'll be writing along and I'll think of something of the next book and I'll lay that into the current book. So once I get started on a book, it takes me four months. I write 1,000 to 1,500 words a day and I use a thriller um, construction instead of a, a mystery structure. Uh, and that's, what's, that's what actually got me published initially was shifting from um, a thriller, a mystery to a thriller. And the other thing that happened was uh, I followed the, one of the 16 things is the four C's of writing, conflict, complication, crisis, and conclusion. And what I was doing was my conflict was too long on the entry. And as soon as I shortened my conflict, that's when I started selling books. So your conflict is your um, contract with your reader saying, this is what I'm going to show you. So in the conflict on the Bruno books is the motivation for him. Once he gets on the plane, that's the end of the conflict. And that's when the complications start. And oh, how your books are filled with complications. And this one was a little more gritty. So I added a dog for a little humor, you know, comic relief, which was, uh, I had a lot of fun with that dog. And the dog is very prominent in the next two books. In fact, he has like a secondary character um, to Bruno in the next two books. David Putnam is our guest on Authors on the Air. The book is The Scorned, brand new from Ocean View Publishing. Why write, David? You know, I was always an avid reader. I read from fifth grade on. Uh, and I thank my fifth grade teacher for introducing me to reading. Uh, and I've always loved reading. And uh, I was on a, a stakeout of a meth lab uh, in 1989. And uh, I kept novels in the backseat of my car for the surveillances because I got to read, you know, while I was working. It was just an excellent job. Um, and I was um, I was on a second book, a sophomore effort of this author who wrote an international bestseller the previous year, and I loved the book. I thought this is going to be a great book. But what happens so often is that an author will work 10, 15 years sometimes on one book. They'll sell that book, and he'll have one year to write the second book. And so that's what happened with this one. He didn't uh, have, make his bones. Like 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 I, I wrote 38 books before I sold one, so I knew how to write one when they asked for the second book. Um, and so I thought I could do better. I read the whole book. I was, I was a captive audience. On that surveillance, I read the whole book, and I thought I could do better. So I wrote my first four books on the front seat of my undercover car. They were four legal pads long, each one. And then I, I couldn't type at the time, so I self-taught myself. And I paid for somebody to put them on a on a big the big floppy, not the the small floppy disk. And that's how that's how it took off. Uh, and I just fell in love with writing. I, I wrote every day. I would get up at um, four o'clock in the morning. And I'd write till seven o'clock in the morning and then go to work every day. Many of the characters we create have real life counterparts in our lives. Is there a real life Bruno out there? Bruno is kind of like what I would be like if I had had the option to do things I wanted to do. As Bruno, he, you know, he's an ex-cop, ex-con, and he rescues children and women um, from toxic situations. And he couldn't do it when he was a cop, so now he goes outside the law to do it. So um, in my career, you know, some, some incidents were the – worst, the worst incident for me was dealing with children. You know, I, I could not interview a, a child molester or a child abuser because uh, it was just too much, too much emotion. And I, I, I couldn't believe somebody could do that. So I get to take out some of my angst uh, with Bruno um, in my books for my real-life incidents. What made you choose Costa Rica as Bruno and Marie's hideout? 
Well, that was a that was kind of a mistake. I just I wanted a paradise. You know, my wife uh, was born and raised in Hawaii, um, so that's why we went back when I when I retired in California and went to work for Hawaii Five O. So I wanted a, a paradise situation. In fact, I wrote Bruno um, while I was in Hawaii. Uh, that that was the thirty thirty sixth book that I written, and I was on my thirty eighth when the publisher asked for when I sent the, when somebody said sent a novel to the publisher. Mm-hmm. So I looked back and I just said, I'll, I'll just randomly pick one. And I picked um, the Bruno book and sent it to him. It was just a matter of luck kind of thing. Um, so Costa Rica, I thought, didn't have an extradition treaty. And they didn't until 1994, which I didn't research at the time. So now they have a, a, an extradition treaty. So Bruno has to really hide, keep his head down. And now you've shifted gears with Fearsome Moonlight Black. That's a trilogy. The, the, the publisher liked the, um, the first book, uh, The Moonlight Black, so well that they've already asked for additional books. Um, the second one is done. It's in post-production. Uh, what, what happened was I was writing the books quicker than, than my publisher wanted to publish them. Uh, they'd only publish one book a year. So I, I was I write on the side, you know, sideline books. Uh, and I wanted to write a memoir, but I couldn't get it to work as far as a story arc. I couldn't get the four C's to work in it. So I tried three times to write the memoir. It didn't work. The fourth time, I, I wrote the first half exactly the way it really happened. It's my first year on the job because I ran into a bunch of things that I shouldn't have run into as a brand new street cop. I was so innocent and naive to the, to the world. And I tried to uh, instill that in, in the first part of this book. Then the second half is fiction. And I added still some scenes from real life in the second half of the book. So the Fierce of Moonlight Black is kind of a semi-memoir, semi-fiction kind of story. And I, I'm getting, I'm, I was surprised at how well people are, are, are commenting on it. They really like it. Our guest is David Putnam. His latest Ocean View thriller is The Scorned. You wrote so many books before you were picked up. How did you stay the course with so much rejection? Yeah. You know, the first, the first writing class I took after I wrote those first four books, I realized I needed to figure out how to do this the right way. The, the instructor had a, a whiteboard and he put up on a whiteboard, this is what you need to be an author. And he writes in big letters, perseverance. So either I have, have perseverance or stupidity. I don't know which one. Um, but, you know, I, I had a great, I've had five agents. High agents are hard to find. And I've had two good ones and I mean, I three good ones and two bad ones. But I had one that stuck with me for 15 years. He did a great job for me. Then he retired. Um, I was at 156 rejections. I would keep them in a three-ring binder until I realized that was just depressing me. So I quit counting. I quit counting at 156 rejections. So that was before I got published. So now, you know, I'm just I'm just plodding along, enjoying life, writing and reading and, you know, marketing. What was it like in the beginning? You know, um, the rejections, the first manuscript I sent out, um, this was back before, you know, um, you could send digital copies. I sent hard copies out. And the first one came back to me, and it wasn't even a letter. They just sent the manuscript back, and it said um, in red ink, no thanks. Uh, next time, learn to write before you send it in. <laughs> that was the worst one. And then, and then um, yeah, it was kind of rude. Uh, then later on, I started getting – uh, one and two full page rejections saying how much they love my work, but the slot, because a, a publisher has 
a number of a, a, a finite number of slots open, and I made it to um, what do you call it? What where the editors get together round table and they fight for their project. I made it to that table twice for for my book, so I was very close several times, um, and that was very heartening. So I just kept and I, and I love writing. So even if I didn't sell a book, I'd still be writing even today because I, I enjoy writing so much. My law enforcement authors fall into two camps. Either they see writing as therapy or it is the stuff that conjures nightmares. Which is it for you? Well, I started having some problems uh, and I didn't know what was was occurring. And I so I went to a one psychologist and she said, oh, you got to stop writing because it's, it's dredging up uh, PTSD. Because I was in a lot of, uh, you know, I chased violence my whole career. I, I uh, you know, uh, was cross as a U.S. Marshal. I chased murder suspects, bank robbers, carjackers. It was in a lot of many, many violent confrontations. Um, and she said that, yeah, this is what's causing your problems. You got to stop writing. And I thought, well, I'm not going to stop writing. So I went to another psychologist and I had five different sessions with him. And he says, you don't have any PTSD. So who do you believe? You know, one or the other. Um, I've since resolved those problems and it was something else entirely. So, um, yeah, my first two years after I left the job, I had a hard time because I, I missed it so much. I really enjoyed the job. What attracted you to a law enforcement career? Well, uh, you know, I, I, my dad was a deputy, but he left before I, I was old enough to know any better. I think it was Joseph Wambaugh and Adam 12. And I read, um, uh, you know, Blue Knight and uh, New Centurions at a very young age, very young age. And then I joined the Sheriff's Explorers when I was 15. Um, and then I went from Sheriff Explorer to Police Cadet for two years, which is like an intern. And then, so, I, you know, I was in it a long time for, before I even became, hit the streets. So when I hit the streets, I knew a lot. I already knew how to do the job because I rode uh, on ride-alongs for two years before I even got in a car. So you really knew what you were getting into. It was fun. You know, they gave me, it was playing cops and robbers full time and they were paying me on top of that. You know, I, I would have done the job without being paid because it was so much fun. Chasing crooks down. It was just a wonderful time. And your varied assignments over time must have filled your mind with story ideas. Oh yeah. 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 I've got some great stories. Um, you know, following, following a bank robber around until he robs a bank and you take him down, coming out, coming out of the bank with a gun and a bag in his hand. There is nothing better than that, you know, and chasing a murder down, you know, um, you, you can't, you can't get on a murder suspects and go, go home and go to sleep after eight hours because you'll, you'll fall behind. So I chased a guy one night. Well, my, I had a couple guys with me. We chased him for 42 hours straight. You know, he was here, he was here three days ago, the next house, he was here two days ago and you just keep getting up, getting on his, getting on him until you catch up to him. So you know, that, that's what's fun about it. It was just a wild time. David Putnam is our guest on Authors on the Air. The Scorned is his latest Bruno Johnson thriller. David, Bruno is a fascinating character, but so is his wife, Marie. Where did she come from? Well, you know, <laughs> I tell everybody that I write the thriller and my wife makes me put the romance in it because you got to have a little romance in the books. Um, and uh, the publisher did a survey and they found that most of my readers are women 55 and older. So I kind of lean into that a little bit. And uh, Marie was a, is a great, uh, like you said, a centering for Bruno. He, she uh, kind of pulls him back from the edge. And the first book, as soon as I sold the first book, I stopped writing number 38 and I started writing a sequel because I know publishers like sequels. 
And so um, the next book, I put in a guy that I dealt with on the street. And each book has a snapshot of my career. And so um, this guy's name was James Lawless in real life. And he uh, had committed a murder, got 25 to life, went in, did 12 years, got out, committed another murder, got 25 to life, went in, did 12 years, got out. And that's when they put my team on him to follow him because they thought he was a threat to public safety. So this guy was so bad that if I would have put him in the book just the way he was, he would have been a caricature. He would have turned into like a hero. A hero, if, if, if there's no flaws in a hero, then he turns into a caricature. So hero, you got to give him you know, bad flaws. But a really bad guy, you got to give him a twinge of humanity in order for him not to look, for him to look three-dimensional. So um, what I did was I had Marie kind of tame Carl Drago, which was this guy in real life. And so in the third book, I didn't like uh, Carl Drago. His real name was James Lawless in real life. He was just a horrible, horrible human. And so I killed him off in the third book and <laughs> pretty brutally. And then the publisher, I sent it in and publisher goes, oh, we love this book, but we like Drago. You got to keep him. So he was throughout the whole book I, and I had to rewrite the whole book. They, they, they said they wanted Drago left alive in November and I had to give him a book in February. So I took it back and I rewrote the whole thing and they said, oh man, what a great rewrite. I didn't keep any of the book. I don't know what they're talking about, a rewrite, but I just rewrote the whole thing. But I kept Carl Drago alive, and now he follows Bruno through the, all the books. So now Marie pulls Bruno back from the edge, and Bruno pulls Carl back from the edge, Carl Drago. So it's like a chain. Um, you created a pretty cool guy for Bruno's father. I love Xander, but his mother is another story. Yeah, his mom is just horrible. In fact, um, I don't know where she came from, but you know you gotta you get to have conflict on every page when you're writing a thriller. You got to put conflict on every page, and his mom it causes all kinds of conflict for Bruno, and he doesn't like her at first because he doesn't understand her, and he really comes to know her and love her in the scorned because of what happens in the scorned. David Putnam is our guest. The scorned can be found wherever books are sold. You are universally loved, not just for your writing, but for your generosity. You love to help other writers. I love to talk to people about writing or about reading. Um, I help people all the time or give comments or um, tips on writing all the time. Uh, my, uh, kept me at my website at davidputnambooks.com. I, I talk to a lot of people at book signings. In fact, I have two coming up this weekend at Barnes & Nobles, and they're 200 miles apart, so it's going to be a trek. Um, and I talk to writers all the time and I meet writers and they, and I even had a couple of join our read and critique group because um, that they, they're, they're interested in writing as well. So, you know, I tell people that uh, voice is the everything in writing. The voice is the most important. And for me, in my, my, my 16 precepts, there are three parts of voice. And the one that uh, there's, there's language and syntax, there's point of view, which is very difficult to master if you're doing it right. And then the, the nuance of writing, which is what everybody walks away from, and that is the attitude of the character. Um, and that's part of uh, motivation, action, reaction, the R in the reaction, which interlinks with the um, – see, I'm talking. I'm getting too technical. This is my – this is the way I think about writing. So if, what, what happens is I get, a, I get up in the morning, and I go back 20 pages, and I read forward editing. And if I then then I because I want the same cadence tone and everything going forward, and then I start writing my my um, 
And if I get stuck, I go back and I say, what did I mess up on my numbers? And I spot spot the the weakness, I, I bolster it, and then I, then I can move forward. It's really kind of a simple, it's 16 precepts is very simple to follow. You have distilled the craft into a cardiovascular exercise with 16 tips to create a canon of reliably heart-pumping prose. And, and you know, there's a, there's a thing that I firmly believe in, uh, divided attention. Um, when, we were, when I was working, we would do um, a drunk driver test, and there was a divided attention test where you, you hold your foot up in the air, uh, you have the guy hold his foot up in the air, and then you walk in front of him asking questions. And if he's drunk... His impairment won't allow him to keep his foot up in here. He has to put it down. It's a very simple test. So what I have found is that if I'm driving, I do better thinking about my book driving because it keeps one side of my brain busy while the other side of the brain can just let go. And I, I, it's amazing how much I get done. If I get stuck sometimes, I'll just go out in the truck and, and drive. You know, my wife tells me, uh, I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to kill this guy when I – uh, you know, what I'm going to do in a book. She goes, well, go for a drive. <laughs> Just go for a drive. <laughs> David Putnam, a man who was born to write. Bruno Johnson, number 10, The Scorn from Ocean View Publishing is available everywhere. Learn more about David's life and career at davidputnambooks.com. David, thanks for joining us on Authors on the Air. Thank you for having me. Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Lisa Davis. Join Terry in the next chapter for Authors on the Air.